namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa buddhang dhammang sangkang namasami So, Monastery Chitta Viveka. This is a term I rather appreciate, like, because it kind of places, places, well, it places me or places my mind uh, in a particular, uh, rather than a physical location, which has certain relevance to it, but more or less in a spiritual location. So I like to feel I'm based in Chittaviveka. Chittaviveka roughly means something like the mind that's not latched onto or engaged in unskillful states, broadly speaking, uh, chitta. Uh, and this chitta is a pretty uh, important reference, vital reference. Um, often translated as mind, but heart sometimes, intelligence, um, awareness. Uh, these are ways in which we can attempt to translate this. But essentially it's the, uh, the reference point we can make whenever people get confused about self. Mm. So from a Buddhist point of view, if you don't train yourself to get beyond yourself, then you're doing yourself harm. <laughs> it's kind of paradox of language, isn't it? Well, because it really means uh, if you don't train your chitta to get out of your conditioned habits and uh, uh, emotional patterns, then you're really wasting, your, wasting a possibility of this life. From the point of view, we base it on chitta, see, rather than atta. And I've seen it written that um, you know the Buddhists, or Buddhist Buddha taught the metaphysical doctrine of not self. There is no self. This actually is, is, is though he did use the word anatta, not self. It's not a metaphysical doctrine at all. Um, it's a, 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 a pointing out a particular fault that's made, error that's made, an action of, a, of calling something, saying something belongs to me, something's under my control, something I own. And all this means the chitta gets polluted with greed or aversion or constrictions of various kinds. In fact, the Buddha really refrained from metaphysical doctrines, metaphysical speculations. What do you mean metaphysics? It means you get a conceptual overview to deal with uh, eternal realities. 
such as the world is finite or the world is infinite consciousness is finite or consciousness is infinite kind of absolute abstract statements yeah and this is such a strong habit particularly any kind of anything you call a religion or a philosophy that people don't always apply this to the Buddha's teaching the Buddha taught life is suffering no, no he didn't teach life is suffering that's a metaphysical statement he says you know be aware there are certain events and certain patterns of behavior uh, and certain defunct, defective relationships that cause you stress uh, just be aware, look at the, into that as an experience. So the Buddha taught direct experience. He didn't make a, a, a physical statement about life is miserable or that life is not miserable. He didn't make metaphysical statements, these kind of grandiose philosophical positions he didn't do. And this was um, something that people do and not just in, in these lofty abstract notions such as there is the oneness, or there is not the oneness. <laughs> the Buddha didn't do that. Uh, he, he, he refrained from metaphysical uh, abstractions for a very good reason. Because whenever there's a metaphysical abstraction, there arises the sense of the, the separate person who's speculating upon that person holds that particular view I hold the view there is no self I hold the view there is a self I hold the view there's neither a self nor not a self this holding of a view is a particular action that the jitta gets lured into because it gives rise to a a, a a sense of certainty a vacuous certainty a groundless certainty a certainty that's based purely upon an idea and this is the experience that the, the kind of the jitta, the confused jitta does. Uh, and in fact, the world in general is run by that. Like, for example, on a Monday level, we may think, oh, t- this year is 2019. I don't see any numbers in the sky. I don't see any particular moment when it's suddenly 2019 and then there was a something switched off and it became 2020 it didn't sort of when does Thursday become Friday I don't see it happen I see light and colour and shade and darkness and cool and I feel coolness and heat where's these where's these things and yet we base our reality on that we like to create plans and structures about the future, how things will be. Uh, and all we step back and we stand out of it and get a nice graph or a picture or a spreadsheet or a schedule and there it is. Right, that's that. I feel nice and confident now. And it's really um, uh, eerie because where's that? Why is it so attractive? Because it gives us certainty about something that's not certain. We plan for it. We get activated by it. And then we get disappointed when it doesn't happen. Then we get frustrated because something goes wrong. 
and then something we didn't expect happens and blows the whole thing off track. This causes suffering. This action, which seemed to be creating clarity, is painting fantasies. Uh, and uh, one must be very cautious with that because believing in that fantasy, indulging in that fantasy, uh, making much of that fantasy will cause you stress, suffering, anguish and confusion. Not only that, <laughs> if that's not enough, it, it leads the citta away from the ground, the place where it could find real security, real strength, real happiness. And this is a this constant pull out is what we are trying to disengage from. The way of the world, in fact, disengaging from it. Unskillful, stressful. But you can't say it doesn't exist either. But you know, maybe so, maybe so. We'll intend that and do the best we can. We'll intend that, do the best we can. This is possible, therefore. In this way, one remains alert, intelligent, uh, flexible, um, grounded, not expecting, not dreading, uh, not captured with anxiety, not lost in craving fantasies. And so such these innocuous experiences start off seeming innocuous like, you know, planning next year, well, it seems a sensible thing. Of course, it starts off seeming innocuous, like many things do. And so we go into it. And then, why did it go wrong? There's something very, uh, there's a kind of a little comfort that one can derive. Uh, and just this thing, we sit back in an armchair, look at newspaper, mm, oh dear, earthquake in Nicaragua, mm, oh dear, oh, oh that's shocking, look at that, terrible thing happened in, you know, Afghanistan, oh dear, mm, oh, yeah. newspaper, oh look, is that great, oh, funny jokes there, mm-hmm. And there's the sport page. Oh, they lost again. And then you put it down. And you, this place we like to be on the edge of reality, looking at it, <laughs> rather than in there. This kind of people call it like it seems to be detachment. And this is where again we look at even a word like viveka as detachment. Not really. Because detachment gives rise to a sense of uh, 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 an entity that's not not really in all this. It's not being affected by it. It's not responsible for it. You know, you can write something on an internet chat thing and send it out. You're not responsible. Nobody's there. And this sense in which human beings have moved into this place of indirect, irresponsible positioning in the world yeah. and that shift that's not detachment that's not that's not viveka 
that's dissociation and irresponsibility. Yeah. And that's what, as we do that, you know, it's, it's astonishing how we can both look at the news, oh look, you know, so-and-so, climate change, you know, da-da-da-da-da, people doing this, that and the other, and then not do anything about it. You know, plastic, I go on about plastic frequently, you know, and just get, buy another plastic thing. Uh, It doesn't, you're not in it. Uh, You're not with it. You look at it from afar. You speculate on it. even agonize over it. But it's there. And there's this sense of a kind of an entity that is just looking at it all like you're looking at a movie on a screen. Comment, jeer, hiss, boo, applaud, but I'm not in that. That's not skillful. That's irresponsible. And it's attractive. Yeah. And so once we, in terms of, you know, chitta, you don't even try to understand what it is or form some metaphysical concept. What is the nature of jitta? Uh, Is it the mind? Uh, What's its true? Where did it arise from? What happens after death? That's not the use of the word. The use of the word is this is what should be trained. This is what gets affected by greed and confusion. This is what can rise up with strength and confidence. This can be purified of, you know, obscurations, um, cloudiness, uh, vagueness, dithering, indifference, it can be purified of that. This can be released from these unskillful habits. And suddenly you goes, oh yeah, what's the release jitter then? Is that, is that? No, 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 don't do that. <laughs> Just do your practice. Uh, and stop trying to stand back and and form some definition. Just know whether you're generating stress and not. And recognize this goes very, very deep. Naturally, no one deliberately seeks their own harm and suffering. How do we do it? We get lured in, the chitta gets lured in to sense pleasures. To becoming, being something, forming some entity, to views, having this detached perspective where you can form views about things. And into general ignorance, not really looking into experience as it happens, just gliding, just taking it all for granted. Snuggling down in samsara, looking for the comfortable spot, of which there are a few that do have some comfortable features to them. Uh, 
not knowing, but not recognizing the possibility for 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 release, for strength, for deep satisfaction. One settles for something lesser. Feet up, armchair, cup of tea, read the papers. What's wrong with that? <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> so when we're uh, training in Jitta and this is... Um, and this place is not a place for monks or nuns or lay people, it's a plain place for virtues, strengths, skills. It's a place for chitta. If you think it's a place for monks, then you start you start to, to only see their side of things. You think to then you don't recognise and you don't uh, open it properly, you don't you have a sense of separation you have a sense of bias towards the monks if you think it's for the nuns if you think it's for the lay people it's not for lay people it's not for monks, it's not for nuns, it's for chitta and whenever we if we start to take these positions then sooner or later we favour one group against another group we form divisions and conceits and things of this nature these naturally are the concepts we use. They have their certain value, like spreadsheets and diaries. Uh, but one who truly discerning doesn't want to stay with that. You want to use that just to look through. If I'm a bhikkhu, my responsibility is such. As long as I fulfill those responsibilities, I'm a bhikkhu not because of a state, I'm a bhikkhu because of a particular ongoing action which is living in accordance with these training rules, which is aiming out of the sense realm, which is leading the way, which is indicating the way out of the sense pleasures, becoming, views and ignorance. If I'm not doing that, I'm just the guy with robes on. There are no lay people here. You believe in that, you're stuck in that, then you always feel you're not really welcome or it's not your job here, it's up to the monks to do the practice. <laughs> yeah. And you know, you expect them to give you teachings and stuff and lay it all on. No, no, you're here to train. Uh, you're not there to lean on them, to train. Or not there to feel, oh, I can't do it, I'm only a laywoman. No, you're not. You want to stay with that? Holding that view, where's that going to take you? You have a mind, you have chitta, like everybody else. You want to set it straight, look through these anxieties, habits, feelings of inadequacy, feelings you can't do, feelings you can do, feelings you know it all, feelings you don't know anything. These are all the obscurations and views that, that occlude chitta and cause stress, limitation, uh, constriction, where there should be, could be, release. 
And we see those, strangely enough. It's a, there's sort of places where you can lean a bit. Oh yeah, I'm there. Right, that's it. That's it. I'm kind of lean a bit. You know, find a place you can hang out in. Even if it's not great, it's a piece of my place. <laughs> my little identity packet. Yeah. You know? But really, when one is uh, training uh, or cultivating, then you think, look, you realize the main thing is to know what states should be set aside, treated with caution, handled with care. How should they be handled? What factors are necessary to handle them? Patience, goodwill, mindfulness, clarity, restraint. There's plenty of those. These are not metaphysical statements. These are pragmatic tools that you use. Use them. They're there. Don't just get confused by the Pali. Use these qualities as they arise. Everybody can cultivate virtue and restraint and determination and patience and goodwill. These are not philosophical concepts. These are pragmatic realities of chitta cultivate them everybody can get lost in anxiety everybody can get lost in feeling inadequate everybody can get lost in conceit everybody can get swamped by greed every these are things to step back from how do you step back from them how do you bring up the skills how do you step back from these the, the difficulties well, you don't make a self out of them. Like, I don't have these. I'm someone who has no, no virtue. I'm someone who's just the kind of ordinary old worldling who's got no particular qualities or virtues. And making a self out of it. If you see the absent, you don't recognize their presence, call them up. Do you value uh, hatred or not? Do you enjoy violence or not? When you take that into your heart, is that where you want to be? If it's not where you want to be, you should know you have virtue. Your chitta has virtue. You want to distract yourself. If you don't want to do that, you should celebrate. Your jitta has clarity and purpose. Hmm? Now, whether you identify, you identify with bad habits, uh, or you, if you, if those are com- if those are swamping you, then you call up and ask yourself sincerely, "What do you want now? Would you like, you know, violence or non-violence?" Honesty or deceit? Hmm? Intoxication or, or straightness? Reliability or flakiness? What would you like now? Call it up. It's there. And then just keep focusing on it. Steadying it. Steadying it. Focusing on it. Focusing. It's going to strengthen for you. Uh, so this way we recollect. We call up. Until you feel it. You know it. 
you exemplify it, you remember it. If I've lost it, it wasn't always lost. And I bring it back. It's, it's there as a potential. And by this you make your potentials for awakening stronger and the potentials for ignorance weaker. And that's how you work. Nobody starts off pure. Nobody starts off totally noble and dignified. We all start out trying to drag ourselves out of the mud as best we can. Often confused, often quite stumbling as you clear away this stuff. How do you clear up, clear things away? What does it feel like? How do you recognize even what's unskillful? Now many of these, um, you begin to recognize beneath what's these obviously unskillful qualities, there are particular tenacious psychological habits, deflections, the way we want to deflect, distract, which seem just like, so what? Because your mind does it. Or plan. Get all kinds of ideas what we're going to do. Or, or do all kinds of fidgety stuff. Uh, and I notice this just in human behavior, you know, in my own and other people's. Something wants to just, oh, forget it all. Uh, you know, or just start kind of organizing everything. Organize this, organize that, organize that. What's going on here? It's compulsive habits. Or something to talk about, compulsively talking. Or compulsively not talking. <laughs> you know, shut up, shouldn't say anything. Yeah. And rather than think about them, we just begin to recognize well, what's happening is feeling. The chitta, when it's unsteady, feels uncomfortable. When it's not, when it's not grounded, when it's not rooted in in truth, when it's not established, well established, it feels uncomfortable, and it should feel uncomfortable because it's not in a comfortable place. And in this state, which most of us are in for a good amount of our time, until you've really trained and established yourself, then the jitta is uncomfortable. It's rocking around. So it goes into compulsive habits to give it something familiar to, to do. Yeah. 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 And it's this uncomfortable feeling. So, oh, oh I feel uncomfortable. Oh, let's have something to put in my mouth. Yeah, that's always good, something to put in my mouth. What are you doing that for? You know, in monastic life, often you have a sense of, well, there's, there's the one meal, or you know, you're a bit liberal, there's a breakfast time, and then nothing, nothing in your mouth. It's tea time. Okay. And yet, you know, there's a little something in my mouth. Sweets, chocolate, munch, something. Why? That's something for your body, isn't it? <laughs> and it, what good is it doing your body? No, it's just nothing really, just put something in the mouth. It's not no, you're not putting something in your mouth, you're putting something in your mind. <laughs> Which is 
a little comfort spot, a little sucky thing, a little munchy thing, a little burst of sugar, something like that. And you're putting it in your mind. But your mind isn't your body. <laughs> so why don't you put something directly in your mind, like a thought of goodwill, <laughs> which is, yeah, or a thought of compassion. Because yeah. those are sweet. But we haven't learned to really unwrap these goodies and, and get them. We think of them as ideals, like I should be more kind, or I should be compassionate, or he's a compassionate person, or compassion, love is all, a metaphysical concept. No, it's not an idea. It's not a should be. It's a quality that you, if you don't experience it, you call it up. You say, what is it like when you see a dog in pain? What do you feel? Oh, right, that's it. That's called compassion. Bring it up. Let it stay there. Dwell upon it. Till that, yeah, it's giving you something where the heart becomes great, tender, sober, restrained, conscientious. This was good. This is much better food. Qualities of goodwill. How do we do that? We call it up. We say, when, when was someone did me a favour they didn't have to do? I feel grateful. I feel warmed by that. Oh, yeah, that's that quality. And who are those beings who I feel a sense of gratitude to? Oh, goodwill. And what would be really nice when that get that? How could you want you want to spread it, don't you? Wouldn't it be nice just to do something to you know that right? You get that, you bring it up. And then by bringing up skillful qualities, these addictions, these kind of nebulous, seemingly innocuous addictions, start to decrease. And you begin to get through it. Yeah. I was noticing, so as I travel quite a bit, the amount of time people spend is often these in-flight magazines. And if you haven't got an in-flight magazine, most people have got a tablet. We've got just, you know, and there's a magazine, there's something you can buy. You can buy a magazine, you can look at a screen, you can read about what it's like in Athens. Or you can imagine what it would be to buy that piece of jewellery. Or you could walk through one of these arcades and look at these fantasy guy, people wearing perfume. Or fantasy people drinking whiskey. And you could get this kind of woo-woo-woo feeling. However, don't be here where you are. <laughs> That's the message. <laughs> don't be right here. Be in this fantasy realm. Be in knowing what it's like to be in Athens. But you're not in Athens. Read about what they're doing in, in Guatemala, but you're not you're here. It doesn't matter, because it, you, know, you don't care. You just want to be fed by something. Keep your mind buzzing. Keep it buzzing, keep it buzzing, whatever. Don't let it slow down and find out where you are. <laughs> because where you are, oh, I don't feel so good. <laughs> I feel kind of bored and restless and uncomfortable and, 
who's that sitting over there? What have we got it? How long am I going to wait here for? And plane might. You know, so all this stuff comes up, doesn't it? And you think, well, couldn't you be here and just think, whoever's here, may they experience the degree lessening of suffering and just send that out. Couldn't I be here with that? Couldn't I be here remembering that other people have helped drag me out of ignorance and dwell in that? This is the way you train. You feed, you feed, you feed on the skillful. And you recognize if you're not feeding on the skillful, the likelihood is you're accidentally gobbling the unskillful <laughs> without really even knowing it. It's just, well, well, please get through the day. What's the problem? Get away from unpleasant feeling. So plan something. Plan the future, make it nice and tidy and clean and straight and organized. Every detail, set it there. Get away from this uncomfortable feeling of being here. Plan the future. Yeah, then it'll be all right. This is not knowing the jitta. It means if your jitta right now is not comfortable, so it's reaching into the future, an abstract world that doesn't exist. What do you think it's going to do tomorrow? Exactly the same. <laughs> what do you think it's going to do in five years' time? Exactly the same. Reaching into a future that doesn't exist, imagining it's going to be fine over there. And wherever you go, it's going to do exactly the same thing. Because that's what you're telling it to do. <laughs> you're encouraging it to do that. Get away from this uncomfortable feeling of not really being totally grounded and comfortable. So plan the future. Tidy things up. Get it all organized. Can't bear reality. It's uncomfortable. Well, yeah, it is uncomfortable. Well, it can be uncomfortable. That's dukkha. Or, if you reviewed it carefully, worked with it, calmed it, steadied it, soothed it, reviewed it, released some of the tangles and attachments, it could be not comfortable, but free, a little bit more than comfortable. You could become stronger, not just more comfortable. You could become imperturbable, not just relaxed. You could become deeply secure, not just have a piece of property. Mm. And that's what the Buddha is saying. Work on it. Work on it. Work on it. Someone who thinks there is a self has not really understood the direct realities of chitta. There are factors that arise, skillful and unskillful. There are tendencies that to be followed and tendencies not to be followed. There's a potential for liberation if it's not followed 
there's certainly plenty of potential for the opposite. Yeah. Someone who believes there's no self tends to be irresponsible. It doesn't really matter anyway because there's nobody here. Then it will pass. Someone who believes things are permanent is in for a big surprise. Someone who believes things are impermanent tends towards the view of indifference. Someone who practices directly engages with experience with a mind that sees clearly the wavering and constant nature of that experience. But they're not declaring it to be anything because they're just intent on, on attuning to that and they letting their craving dissolve because craving rests upon the idea that there could be something that I could have and when you really feel impermanence you realize there's no such thing as a thing anyway there are just signs you look around and you see oh here's the sign it looks like food actually there's the greed there's the dispassion there's the clarity you know and you see little bits light up there's the greed there's the dispassion there's the gratitude there's the clarity and so avoid the greed bit go to the gratitude and the clarity so you can make a practice like that. I go through the Bindabad line myself and look at any, anything that really the greed sign lights up on me. I'm not having that. Yeah. Stay away from that one. And, and then look at the sense of, well, you know, this is to be shared out amongst the community of people who live here. What's a responsible way to, to, to use this food? What's for the welfare of this body? Here's the clarity. Come back, there's the gratitude. Go for Bindabad, bow to the Buddha. Because of the Buddha and his teaching, I am receiving this gift. Not because of me, because of the Buddha and his teaching, I am receiving this gift. Use it wisely. This is a purification of food. You see the signs. And you know which signs are to be turned away from. And you don't ignore the signs. It's not like, oh, it's Thursday morning, 11.30, wonder what's for meal today. Go have some food, and then after the meal, rush off and then get back to my cootie. No, that's, that's not it. That's not it. That's the sign of a world. You don't want the world. You want the signs of Where's the greed? Where's the non-greed? Where's the clarity? Where's the fog? Where's the goodwill? Where's the gratitude? Where are they? Hmm? See those. Steer with those. You look around at the world of people. Where's the people I look down on? Where's the people I look up to? Clear the signs. Respect, 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 respect. Where's the people I don't think count? See the sign, cut it off. Respect, respect, respect. 
It doesn't mean revere, it means this too, being, sentient being, human being, chitta, capable of pain, experiencing pain and pleasure, suffering and stress. Uh, see that. Value it. Not just like me. Purification of people. It's not always oh, people. People. Where's people? See the sign. This is called aversion. Or insecurity. Or fear. Or feeling judged by people. Or feeling compared to by people. Or feeling people want something from you. See the signs. If they're negative signs, check them. There is clearing away. This is a process that you can undertake really starting to look at reality or touch reality from the point of view of chitta rather than the point of view of the constructed self world space time here there me with a name her out there tomorrow yesterday new york athens you know, <laughs> you know it's like Yeah. The sign and the signs when you really look in the, is the grip around pleasure. There's the grip that says if I get some more of this and hang on to it as long as possible and make sure I've got a stash of this, I'll be I'll be well. No. Nope. You'll be unsatisfied. We've all done that. Here's the uncomfortable bit. If I force against it, push it away, reject it, cramp up and tighten it, it's go away. No, it won't. Feeling uncomfortable, and then I think, well, if I do lots of stuff, I'll get out of the discomfort. No, you just kick the can down the road. But the Buddha doesn't say, all pleasure is is bad and all pain is good for you. (laughs) He says there are skillful Sources of pleasure and unskillful sources. Review. What is it doing to your chitta? Not, do you have a metaphysical statement about pleasure and pain? But look what it does to your chitta. Does it it tighten, contract, attach to it, start spinning and proliferating around it? Then it needs to be checked. Look into it. Review from the point of chitta, not from some religious doctrine. It's uncomfortable, sometimes discomfort is okay. It's training me. Be patient, be resilient. Learn to let go of a few things. Don't get weak and dependent. Discomfort's okay. And some, because it's leading to skillful states. But discomfort, if it's not okay, is when you get this miserable proliferation of planning and weaving and ducking and diving and blaming and accusing and feeling oppressed, it's not okay. You start to review it, what's happening. That's where you clear it away and know it for what it is. We have this, uh, because this clung to stuff, these clung to habits become so dense and so familiarized, they almost choke the chitta. Yeah, the truth. 
we had this, like, have you noticed, we had a hawthorn hedge, and it had this hawthorn hedge beside the workshop. It was completely smothered in ivy for years, and looking at it, thinking, what's this ivy? Is it? People say, oh, that's just ivy. It's, it's nature, natural. Well, no, not really. I mean, if it's natural, there'd be wild boar, there'd be deer, there'd be all kinds of creatures. We have, we've got rid of nature. <laughs> you know, human beings sorted that one out. So now there are no other natural forces. We could, we have, now we've taken responsibility. So, well, actually, look at this. What kind of thing do you, you want? What should it be? Just start to look at this rather agreeable shaggy shape and then you start to look into that and take that off you know it's just these spindly hawthorns underneath it struggling to get some light <laughs> you know a lot of them dead and just a few branches sticking up and then I think when the gardener Joshin and Eugene start to hack away and pull these things out and you see there's this as the, all this ivy has come so knotted around it that the the, you know, the trunk of the ivy is as thick as the hawthorn. It's like completely embedded, like a, a wrapping, like a tentacle, wrapped around and embedded into the into the plant, and smothered it. So the leaves are smothered all the hawthorn leaves. You start to take it off, and underneath is kind of pathetic, skinny little spindly tree. <laughs> I thought. God, that's what I felt like when I, <laughs> when I shaved my head. <laughs> Turned the music off, shaved my head, sat in the cootie, no papers, no chair, just sat in this cootie. No guitar, <laughs> no dope, <laughs> sat in this cootie. <sighs> I suddenly feel like some skinny little spindly creature. <laughs> Help. <laughs> uh, but, but you know, the truth of it is, sometimes it's like that when you do renounce. Sometimes it's like that. You get down to some pretty stripped down states of feeling bleak and hungry. and uh, But... Okay, this is a discomfort that's skillful because it's like this is the place where there's a possibility for green shoots to grow. What do you want to be? Do you want to be that encumbrance? Do you want to be that occlusion? Do you want to be this kind of cluttered by the world, constantly searching for a future, stuck in time and place, or do you want to be free? Well, what are you prepared to give up? And cut off, even if it felt okay. And reveal something that doesn't feel okay. Then feed it, and 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 feed it. And it it starts to grow strong. That's what you do. That's what you do. And we have that opportunity. We feed on diligence, we feed on wakefulness, we feed on aspiration, 
We feed on patient persistence. We feed on that. It makes you strong. And if we don't, it makes us weak. So now is the opportunity we have this evening. (laughs) We have one moment at a time to make these choices of how to bring forth the best in ourselves. Bring forth the best in yourself, you get stuck in yourself. You can pour the best in yourself, you get released from yourself. And uh, that's how we practice. Anyone?